Psalm 105. It is an honor and privilege to preach this evening, and uh, thankful for the opportunity. And uh, I don't know if I'll beat my record from last time. Uh, it was, I think it was, I think I was done preaching, and service was dismissed by, I think it was like 5:38. And uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it this time, but we will try our hardest. All right. And again, we'll see if we can get out of here a little quicker than normal and uh, you can get a little extra sleep and if the boss didn't give you the raise from the last time maybe they'll give it to you this time all right but we'll see what happens there psalm 105 uh, we're going to look actually at the entire psalm i don't have a panic attack because it is 45 verses uh, but i promise we will go through it quickly psalm 105 let's start reading a verse one the bible says this oh give thanks unto the lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the people sing unto him Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Let's pray. Dear Lord, most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings that you have given us, Lord. Lord God, we thank you most importantly and above all for coming to this earth, dying for our sins and for giving us eternal life. Lord God, we thank you so much for... Again, sending your son to die. And Lord, we thank you so much for this, this wonderful church. Lord, we thank you for how it has faithfully been here in this community preaching your word. And I pray that you would help that to never, ever change. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church, that we would emphasize your word, and that we would be witnesses in our community. I do pray that you would be with us now and help us as we have gathered together to hear your word. I do pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts. Lord, show us something from this psalm, Psalm 105, this evening. And I pray, God, that you would help us to take these things, apply them to our lives. And Lord, help us to be more like you every single day. Lord, I need your help tonight. I cannot preach by myself. Lord, if I try to preach in my own strength and in my own power, it would be a waste of time for every single person. And I do not want to waste anyone's time. So, Lord, I need your help. And I pray that you would be with us. Lord, give us wisdom, give us strength, give us grace. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. When we get, come to Psalm 105, we believe that the human penman was indeed David. And uh, the reason we believe that it is David is because if we go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, we can see some of the writing from David there and how it is almost identical here in Psalm 105. And uh, in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, the Ark of the Covenant, which was taken from them, has actually returned. And David has it now, and it, it returns to Jerusalem, and they, uh, they have a wonderful time. And what a, what a wonderful day that was in the history of the nation of Israel. When the Ark of the Covenant has been taken, and now it has returned, what a glorious, glorious day that was for Israel. Now, when we get, when, how many of you have read through the book of Psalms before? You've read through it? How many multiple times you've read through it? One of the things that always is interesting to me is when you read the Psalms is how they're always so different in length. You'll come to some Psalms that are like, you know, four verses, six verses, eight verses. Uh, Psalm 117 is only two verses long. And then you have some of the longer ones. You have Psalm 119, Psalm 78. You have this Psalm, Psalm 105. And so it's kind of interesting to me how they're all different lengths. And some are short, some are long. This one is definitely on the longer side of the Psalms. And uh, you can see all the different uh, penmen that God uses throughout the book of Psalms, how their, uh, their writing is just a little bit different. 
even though they were under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And when we get here to this particular psalm, not only is it one of the longer ones, it is also what is called a historical psalm. We can read through it, the majority or all of it mainly, and Israel's history is throughout this psalm. Now, even though it's one of the longer psalms, and even though it's a historical psalm, that's not the main point of this psalm. Psalm 105, the main point or the big idea is about giving praise to God. That's what Psalm 105 is about, giving praise to God. For just, so just for a few minutes this evening, I want to preach on this thought. How good is our great God? How good is our great God? We're going to look at three things this evening very quickly, and uh, then we'll head towards the house. All right, first thing we're going to look at is praise. Praise. Look at me in verse number one. The Bible says this. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing songs, uh, psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. When we go back to 1 Chronicles, the Ark of the Covenant has been taken from the nation of Israel by the Philistines. Those dirty, rotten Philistines. The Ark enemy, the Ark rival of the nation of Israel. They have taken the Ark of the Covenant to... Uh, to our, to basically, to give the shortest and smallest definition or explanation of the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God was for the nation of Israel. It had been taken. It was probably their most prized possession that the nation of Israel had. And when it was taken from them, they were sad. They were disheartened. They were brokenhearted. They were depressed. And actually, when you go back and read... What happens to the Philistines when they have the Ark of the Covenant is actually quite hilarious. But when we come to 1 Chronicles 16 and the Ark of the Covenant has returned to Jerusalem by David. David is praising God and the nation of Israel is praising God. And we could go back and read verses from 1 Chronicles 16. We can read verses here. And when they get the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, the only thing that the nation of Israel knows to do is to give praise to God. Because of how good he is. Let's ask the question this evening. How is our praise? How is our praise? We serve an amazing, amazing God. He is amazing. He is awesome. There is no one and nothing like him. Nothing even compares to how amazing and wonderful our God is. How is our praise? By the way, praise is not limited to just Sunday. We can praise God any and any day, anywhere, anytime. When you're riding in the truck up the road, maybe y'all been there listening to some singing or someone's preaching and the Holy Spirit just gets all over you. Y'all ever been there? And when you ride by, and if you're riding down the road and you're just having a spell, Imagine what you look like to people driving by you. Hopefully you have tinted windows on the side where they can't see you, all right? But if you're in the truck by yourself riding up the road and you have a just have a spell. Praise Him. 
And even if you're in the truck by yourself or you're in the truck with your family riding up the road. Parents, let your kids watch you praise. He's a good God. He's an amazing God. The Ark of the Covenant has returned to Jerusalem and all they can do is praise. How's our praise? Does he not deserve it? He does. He deserves it. He's a good God. Is he worthy of it? Yes. He's an amazing God. Give him praise. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds. Sing unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Praise his name. Don't be ashamed of it either. Christ said in Mark and in Luke, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. As a matter of fact, do the exact opposite of being ashamed. As Psalm 107.2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Praise him. He's a good God. Praise him. Secondly, past. The majority of the psalm of Psalm 105 actually covers not everything, but a rather large portion of of Israel's history. And when we get to verse 5, the Bible says this, Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. When we get to verse 105, David here writes and he says, Hey, why don't you go back and remember some of the marvelous and wonderful things that God has done in our past. Why don't we recall some of the wonderful things that he has done. He's a good God. He's a good God now. And he was a good God back then. So let's go ahead and recall some of the things. And so David starts to go through. It's a large portion of Israel's history. Not all of it, but a large portion. And he actually goes all the way back to the book of, the begin, uh, book of Genesis. All the way in the beginning. And he mentions the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. Look in verse number, verse number 9. Which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac. Go back up to verse 6. All ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob. And so we start to look at and he recalls some of the things that God did with Abraham. When we go back to the book of Genesis, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to make of you a great people. And I'm going to give you a specific land. The land of Canaan. For you, it's the promised land. And everything that you see in any direction, that land is going to be yours. When he faced opposition, look what happens in verse number 14. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he he reproved kings for their sakes. Verse 15, saying, touch not mine anointed. When opposition came up against Abraham and against Isaac and against Jacob, guess who was there to say, don't touch them, they're mine. God was there to protect them. I know this, this psalm is directly related to Israel. But let's make the application here. Has God not protected us? Has God not protected us? He has. He most definitely has. You know, we have, we have people of all ages in here. We have young children. We have teenagers, young adults, 
not so young adults. We have all sorts of people in here. And if we went through every single person and said, hey, can you remember a time in which something happened and God protected you? Every single one of us should be able to say, yes, I remember a time that God intervened and protected me and my family. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of the nation of Israel, when people came up against them, the Bible says in verse 15, saying, touch not mine anointed. God was there to protect them. He protected them, and guess what? He's protected us too. When we go to the next set of verses, go to the next set of verses. Look in verse number 16. The Bible says this. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. You fast forward a little bit, and uh, famine's getting ready to come. It's not going to be pretty at all. It's going to be rough. But the entire time... Actually, before the famine was going to take place. God had a plan the entire time. Because we look in verse number 7. He sent a man before them, even Joseph. So he talked about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now he's going to talk about Joseph. And we know the story of Joseph. He's my, personally my favorite Old Testament Bible character. But when we get to the life of Joseph, Joseph had a very rough childhood. His dad had four wives. His, his, there's got to be a little... That's a dysfunctional family, let's just say. His brothers hated him. They couldn't stand him. They left him for dead. And they said, you know what? Let's not leave him for dead. We can't get anything out of him. So let's sell him. We'll make, at least make some money. They sell him into slavery. He gets down to Egypt. He's bought by Potiphar. He works his way up to his second command over all of Potiphar's estate. Then Mrs. Potiphar comes along. Tries to seduce him. He says no. She tries again. He says no. The Bible actually says in the book of Genesis, day after day, that temptation from Mrs. Potiphar came to Joseph. And Joseph had the integrity to say no every single time. She eventually got tired of it. She said, I'm tired of hearing no from you. She falsely accuses him. He's thrown in jail. And he spends a significant amount of time in prison for something that he did not do. And then two guys show up, the butler and the baker. He interprets their dreams correctly. Two years after, two years after he interpreted through the help of God the uh, dreams for the butler and the baker, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream about some corn and some cows and it's super weird. Super weird dream. But he's bothered by it. No one can figure out why or what the interpretation of this dream is. And then all of a sudden, the butler remembered. Oh, by the way, there was this dude down in prison who interpreted my dream. And it was, I mean, he was right. He was like spot on. And so Pharaoh's like, well, nobody else can do anything around here. Let's bring him up. So they bring him up. And Joseph, through the help of God, interprets the dreams for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is so impressed by his wisdom, he makes him second in command over all of Egypt. And through Joseph, the world is saved from famine. For seven years, they store up. So when the seven years of famine come, they have plenty of food to go around. And the Bible says, Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. Verse 17, he sent a man before them, even Joseph. Whenever famine comes, there's a shortage 
of that which is necessary. We need food. Amen? We need food. Food's good. Most food is good. There's a few things I don't know about. But we need food. And when a famine came, God had a plan the entire time and put Joseph in the exact spot he needed to to provide for his people. And not only his people, for, for the world as well. And so in, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we see God's protection. And then with Joseph, we see God's provision. God provided, through Joseph, God provided food in a time of famine. And even again, again, we've already said this and established this. This psalm, in context, is directed towards God's help for the nation of Israel. But let's make an application. Has God provided for us? We mentioned this just a second ago, but there's people from young age all the way up. And if we went through and said, do you have a, any testimonies of when maybe you were having a difficult time? Something wasn't just, nothing seemed like was going right. And you needed God to intervene on your behalf. Maybe a bill came in, you looked at the bill, you looked at your bank account, and the numbers ain't even close. And somehow, some way, God provided. That's just one. But I'm sure that we could go through and say, yes, God provided in this situation. God provided in that situation. Hey, I have a testimony. Hey, I have a, an example of when God provided for me and for my family. God provided for them through Joseph. Has God provided for us? He most definitely has. Look in the next set of verses. Look at verse number 23. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people. We all know the story. This is going to involve the book of Exodus. But Joseph, when he's there, and he has left such a wonderful impression on Pharaoh's heart that Pharaoh said, absolutely, let your family come. Let your dad, all your siblings come. Let them come and live with us. Jo Joseph had a wonderful, amazing testimony with Pharaoh. Incredible. Here comes all of Joseph's family. Well, years go by, and now there's more Israelites than there are of Egyptians. And there was a Pharaoh that came into power that did not remember everything that Joseph had done. And so what did they do? They make the nation of Israel slaves. And for 400 years, the nation of Israel served the Egyptians as slaves. And then eventually, they got tired of it. And they kept praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And God heard their prayer. And the Bible says in verse 26, He sent Moses his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. So over the next set of verses, we see what happens when Moses comes before Pharaoh. 
Moses comes before Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, um, God said to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, sure, absolutely. I'm tired of the, all the nation of Israel being here and doing all of our work for us. So us just sitting back and relaxing. Is that what Pharaoh said? No, Pharaoh said, absolutely not. They're mine. They belong to me. I'm keeping them here. Well, Mo, Moses said, well, Pharaoh, if, if uh, that's what you want to do. But uh, I got a feeling that it ain't going to work out best for you. And then we can read. We could go back and read in Exodus, but you can also read here how God begins to send these things called plagues. And it starts out, he, t- uh, he talks about them a little bit. He, in verse 29, he turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. And their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of their kings. And he spake, and there came diverse sorts of flies and lice. And he gave them hell for rain and flaming fire in their land. And what a wonderful time. Incredible. Water turned to blood, fish die, frogs everywhere. Ribbit, ribbit. Flies, lice, I mean, glorious time. Till eventually you get over to verse 36. He smote also the firstborn in their land. Goes through the ten plagues and gets to the very last one in which the firstborn, if the blood was not applied properly to the doorpost, their firstborn lost their life. And here's what happens in verse number 38. Egypt was glad when they departed. I guess so. I'd be glad too. Pharaoh, you said no. Their God sends these plagues. Please leave. I'll throw your suitcases out for you. I'll help you pack. Please leave. And you know what God was doing again? Protecting his people. Protecting his people. Again, we see God's protection. Then look with me in verse 39. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked And he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. So they get out into the wilderness. They they used to have everything in Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness. They ain't got nothing. And so what does God do? He goes, well, you know what? In the middle of the day, I'm going to give you a cloud. When it's night, I'm going to give you fire. When you're hungry, guess what? I got you covered. I got meats and I got bread coming your way. And when you're thirsty... I'll give you something to drink as well. And the Bible, and I love how it says it in verse 41. And the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. Y'all ever seen a river? Y'all ever seen a spring? There's a big difference, ain't there? A little bit of water, a lot of water. God's like, I got plenty to go around. And what was he doing there? He was again providing. So we see protection, provision, protection, provision. And uh, then we get to the next set of verses. Look in verse 42. For he, talking about God, remembered his holy promise. And Abraham his servant. And he brought forth his people with joy. And his chosen with gladness. And gave them the lands of the heathen. And they inherited the labor of the people. Abraham has been dead for centuries. He's not been alive for quite a, quite a long time. And when we get to verse 42, God says, You know what? I made a promise to Abraham a while ago. 
And you know what? I promised him that I was going to give him this land. And you know what? I think it's about time my people go in there and take that land that I promised them. And so years later, here comes the nation of Israel into the land of Canaan. And they possess the land. And the Bible says at the end of verse 40, uh, at the end, uh, I'm sorry, verse 44, and they gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people. And so here we see God keeping his promises. So we see in Israel's past, he protected them, he provided for them. He protected them, he provided for them, and he kept his promise. God ever made you a promise? And did he keep it? If we go back and look in the Old Testament, we can see phrases such as, I will never leave thee. We can see other phrases like, I'm not going to forsake you. And then we can go to the book of Hebrews. And the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You find that phrase in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Both of them. God made us a promise. I'm not going to leave you alone. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He's going to protect, provide, protect, provide, and he's going to keep his promises. So there's praise. There's past. And then thirdly and lastly, there's praise again. Look in verse 45. That they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. And then look at the very last sentence of the psalm. Praise ye the Lord. So like bookends on this psalm. It begins with praise and it ends with praise. God's been a good God. He's been good in the past. He's good in the present. And He's going to be good in the future. He is a good, good God. And like I said, we could go back and forth and talk about has God provided? Yes. Has God protected? Yes. Has God kept promises? Yes, He has. He's a good, good God. You know, I can't think of a more exciting time to be alive than right now. Some people may be looking at me like, have you lost your mind? How on earth could you say that? How on earth could you say, I can't think of a more exciting time to be alive than right now? Have you, do you know what's going on in our society and culture? Have you not looked at the economy? Have you looked, have not looked at what's going on around? Yes, I have. But the world's always been crazy. They always have been. But I just can't help but think about when Mordecai looked at Esther and says, Esther, do you think that God has put you in this position for such a time as this? God had everything planned out. And he had Esther in the exact moment in time in which he wanted her to be. And I look around and I think about us and I'm like, yes, the world's crazy. Yes, they've lost their minds. Yes, the economy is terrible. But have you ever thought for a moment that God put us in the exact moment in time where he wanted us? This is exactly where he wants us to be in the scope of time. And he's in control. He's not dead. None of this has caught him by surprise. And you want to know something else? We might be the very people that gets to usher in when Jesus comes back. Like he left in the book of Acts, we might get the people that get to see that. 
Paul, Peter, John, the other apostles, they hoped for it, but we might get to live it. What an exciting time to be alive. But until that moment happens and our faith ends and our faith becomes sight and we get to see Jesus face to face, until that time happens, let's spend our time here on earth praising him. Because how good is our great God? Let's pray. Dear Lord, most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings, Lord God. We thank you, most importantly and above all, for coming to this earth, dying for our sins, and for giving us eternal life. Lord, we thank you so much just for how good of a God you are. Lord, you alone deserve our praise. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Nothing and no one can even come close to comparing to how good you are. And I pray, God, that you would help us all of our days, not just Sunday when it's a day of worship, but Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Lord, help us to spend our time giving praise because you are a good God. Lord, you in our past, in the past of the nation of Israel and in our past, Lord, you ha we have seen how you have protected. Lord, we have seen how you have provided. Lord, you have made promises. You have kept them. And there's still promises that you have told us that we're still anticipating for, for those to take place. But Lord, until those things come true, and until that we get to see you face to face, Lord, we live in an exciting days. We could be living in the very time in which you are going to return. You're going to split the clouds, and we're going to get to see you face to face for the first time. But Lord, until those days take place, and our faith ends, and our faith has been made sight, Lord, help us to spend our days praising you, for how good you are. Lord, the world can't stand it. They don't, they don't understand it. And they can't take it away from us. Lord, you are a good, good God. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to spend our days, again, help us to spend our days praising the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. With our heads bowed, please. Everybody's standing with their heads bowed for just a moment. We're going to do something different tonight. Miss Debbie's going to play. Miss Debbie's going to play.